morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Today is Monday, April 12th, as we are in the Easter season. What a joy it is to say that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And we gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the true light, and this light has made God known to us. This light shines on us today from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And Paul has a deep concern that the Thessalonians were being led astray by destructive end times theologies. He speaks of a unique person, a man of lawlessness, but also reminds us that it is the God who has chosen us and he will help us stand firm in our Lord Jesus. Important words for the first century, important words for us today. So let's dig in. The gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A special thanks to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word, we have with us Pastor George Murda of Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Douglasville, Georgia. Pastor Murda, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Thank you. Uh, glad to be with you today. Pastor Murda, you've been a KFUO guest for quite a while, but this is our first time together. And one thing I've found the first uh, three months now of being a host of Thy Strong Word is that we have people from all over the world, even the state of Georgia, who are listening to us. So can you spend a few moments introducing yourself and the work of the saints at Prince of Peace? Yes, I'm, uh, I've been a, a longtime pastor, of course, of the LCMS. I've been in this particular district, the Florida Georgia district, for about 27 years now. Um, I have had a couple of ministries here. The one I'm in now is an intentional ministry, uh, uh, interim ministry at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church, uh, which is west of city center Atlanta. Uh, been out there uh, uh, assisting that congregation in its uh, growth and ministry uh, and uh, uh, maintaining their uh, uh, preschool and helping them involve themselves in the ministry of the larger community. Uh, we're embarking actually in this Easter season uh, on a, a new emphasis of uh, everyone his uh, witness. Mm. Uh, and we're going to be working very uh, diligently and, and intentionally uh, with some of our great uh, people out there, uh, uh, outreach-minded and, and also visionary, uh, to really work uh, in that uh, area for the congregation, along with our international ministry, which we do there uh, in India and uh, various other ministries were involved in both uh, in the community, uh, in the larger district, and also in the world. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. That sounds wonderful. And how long have you been at this particular congregation, you said? Uh, I, I started there actually as their uh, vacancy pastor, uh, and, uh, and then as uh, I was encouraged by the district president to maybe uh, turn it into an intentional uh, interim kind of setting, in order to really move the, the congregation forward rather than simply uh, providing a uh, word and sacrament ministry that I would actually be providing some leadership and helping uh, grow some leaders there, et cetera. So I've, I've been there now for several years doing that. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, and as we talked beforehand, you know, the Lord brings us to places we don't always expect and sometimes keeps us mm -hmm. longer there than we expect. And that sounds like it was true for yeah. you as well. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pastor, as we are... Yeah. Go ahead. 
uh, just saying to him be the glory. You know, that's that's all I have to say. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. No, I appreciate that. And you know, as we as we look at that, it is the Word of God that sustains us, and the Word of God that leads us. So, as my as we as I say often on this program, because I can get off track, is back on the farm, appropriate in Minnesota at least. Uh, back on the farm, let's dig into God's Word. And Pastor, can you begin our time in prayer? Yes, I will. Father, we thank you that you have provided for us uh, while we were yet sinners, that your Son should come and die for us upon the cross. That by his passion, death, and resurrection, we have new life in him. We are sons and daughters of the kingdom. We thank you, Lord, that you have provided in your word through your apostles, especially St. Paul. We thank you that you have provided for us a word from your Spirit that would encourage us uh, when we have to encounter perhaps false doctrine or perhaps when we have to encounter uh, some uh, troubling uh, news from, from other people that uh, might uh, wound our spirit, that we are always uh, able to open your word, to get a sure word of confidence and grace and mercy from you through Jesus Christ and uh, focus our attention on him who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Father, we thank you for this opportunity in Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. Please bless it by the power of your spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we look at 2 Thessalonians, we have plowed through 1 Thessalonians, and we have last week we went through uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and, and there's a lot of similarities, but there's other unique background as we get to chapter 2, and a lot of unique things as we study chapter 2. So, Pastor, do you have any introductory or background thoughts that you have to help us, uh, to help us out this morning? Well, I'm sure that some of those who have been in the study know that uh, this this is a city of Macedonia, and uh, Macedonia, um, to give you a, an idea, in the, in the Roman Empire, uh, Macedonia was a backwater, really, kind of in the empire, and most of the uh, Greek states, Greek cities there were independent, uh, although they were still under Roman control, and uh, Thessalonica is one of them. But as a Roman city, of course, it was a cosmopolitan as well. It, it's not far from the other Greek um, uh, cities of Achaia, et cetera. And uh, there was a lot of influence from Greece and Rome there, as well as from the east, because it, it uh, was still land bridge toward Macedonia from the east. So um, it was easy for it to really have kind of a, a, a huge influence syncretistically concerning religion and concerning uh, ideas of uh, both of Gnosticism as well as the uh, Greco-Roman ideas of uh, of gods, and so that's something Paul had to uh, had to deal with, as well as the fact that there were people within that community who had uh, decided that uh, Jesus, that people were teaching that Jesus had already had come, that the resurrection was basically a second coming, mm-hmm. and uh, and that uh, they missed it <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And there was a real concern, as you know, in First Thessalonians about those who died before his second coming might not see the kingdom. Uh, and now they are concerned about the fact that his coming had had happened and that now that uh, it did, there was not much for them uh, to do at this point. But Paul is here to encourage them to uh, recognize that uh, they still are a dynamic uh, congregation or group of people that God has chosen, uh, mm-hmm. pretty much in, in, in the same sense as he says in, in uh, the introduction to Ephesians. So they've been chosen by God, and they are um, to uh, 
be a people that should see themselves as, as members of the kingdom of God, as the temple of God, he calls them in one point here, that they're, they are part of that temple that God has established, which is made up of living stones and of people. And he wants them to know that. And that's what he's encouraging here. And, and that's very, that's very helpful because there is, there's a marked feel that there's a lot of fear in this congregation, you know, that, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, are, you know, did, did those who died in Christ, what happens to them? Or when will Christ return is a, is a major question that we have in first Thessalonians chapter five. And it appears that the amount of time between first Thessalonians and second Thessalonians is not that long. So obviously there was a number of, a lot of turmoil. When we ended First Thessalonians, there's a very deep desire of Paul to, as a founding pastor, really, of this congregation, to make sure that they're staying strong in the faith, that they're staying um, um, in the basics of everything, you know, even just saying, pray without ceasing, rejoice in the Lord, um, very basic things. And today, it seems to me that he gets to something very heavy, <laughs> that he goes he from very basics to very heavy. So something happened between first and second that really shook this congregation where he won, like you said so well, said, let's get back to the, 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 the whole, the, who you are as a child of God. Let's get back to your identity and then let's address the major issue that is before you. So any thoughts as, as we talk about any other thoughts or other thoughts on the introductory, introductory thoughts? Well, first chapter two, of course, is the key really here is that there are signs of, of Christ's return. And one of those signs is, of course, the rebellion, the huge apostasy and rebellion that will happen in the general church. Uh, and then the, the revelation of, the man of lawlessness, and we when we get to those verses, we'll get into what that means. But there is, you know, Jesus uh, himself um, in um, in the Gospels uh, when he spoke of the apocalyptic times, uh, he would speak he would speak of the times being of persecution and the times of of difficulty of trying to stay uh, loyal to and committed to the gospel of grace and. Um, and the uniqueness of his position as, as well as the Father's love uh, over against what was being taught and so uh, and what was happening in the world. And uh, some of that is birth things, he said, but others are uh, when uh, will uh, precipitate his coming on the clouds of heaven with all the holy angels. And so that's what Paul is kind of addressing here. And that hasn't happened yet. The Thessalonians of the world, his coming on the clouds of heaven with all the holy angels hasn't happened yet because the rebellion hasn't taken place yet, and the man of lawlessness has been revealed. And so that's the, that's the key point. Yeah, good point. So he's definitely keeping things in perspective. And as he looks mm-hmm. at what we're talking about today, yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's calm down. Let's remember where everything mm-hmm. is, and let's look our eyes back on Christ. So I think it's a good time to start digging in the text. Great breakdown for us this morning. And let's open up our Bibles, and, and let's take off verses one and two is where we'll start. And a reminder to our listeners that we will be reading from the English Standard Version of the Holy Scriptures. So Paul writes, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, do not be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. 
All right. So he begins with now concerning. Um, there's a lot here that sounds like there's going on. So what would you perceive as happening in the church, the Thessalonian church? Well, I mean, if you take the if you take the verses together, but of course, concerning this, obviously, by just saying now concerning, obviously, a concern has come to him, to his attention about what's going on in Thessalonica. So, and this faith community, which is a you know, it's it's an infant community in in a sense because the gospel is just now getting out to Macedonia, and, uh, and so. Uh, he has a concern, and so he lets them know here. Uh, the first chapter is pretty much about his encouragement, his love for them, God's love for them, that sort of thing. And then he says, but what has precipitated my letter, he doesn't say that, but it, he means what has precipitated is concern you people have, mm. and a concern I have with you. And this is what I want to address. And he says, something has happened here that has shaken your mind and your spirit. And he says, if, if, what do you mean by mind and spirit? Paul often speaks in these terms of, of, um, Faith being a matter of the right mind about God, as well as the right spirit about God. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's supposed to be something that that's uh, knowledgeable, is some knowledge of God, and uh, it's something that God has revealed that can be uh, appropriated, uh, which I would say in an intellectual way or in, in my way, but also, and, and particularly too, it's a work of the spirit, mm-hmm. the work of the spirit, because. Um, there are people who th- can think in, in the wrong direction, too. So what he's doing here, he said, apparently this has come to his attention, uh, and it really has to do with their, what we'll find in later verses of their concern about uh, the coming of the Lord. And that's what he says, the day of the coming of the Lord. And in first, uh, first Thessalonians, he, just, he has uh, talked about that, of us being uh, taken up and meeting him in the air and that sort of thing. Here he's talking about now that, that, that he says, either by... Uh, your mind, either by spirit or a spoken word, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Is this something that is coming from a spirit that is a spirit that may not be the spirit of Christ? It may be the spirit of Antichrist, or the spirit, some other, you know, uh, spirit that is not from God. So there's a spiritual aspect here, or a spoken word. It may preach something to you that uh, or giving you some teaching that is not in accord with the word of God. Or a letter from me. Now, whether or not we have a bogus letter out there, which has come from uh, from Paul, or somebody's misinterpreted or rewritten his first letter, we don't know. But he's saying, look, I'm, I'm here to clarify that. So for those of you who are having some conflict with this, I'm here to clarify it. And that, and that is, it is really interesting because by a spirit— and we don't know what that spirit was. I mean, it's not capital S, so it's uh, <laughs> it's it's probably not the Holy Spirit. A spoken word. Someone mm-hmm. told me this, kind of like when we will say, "Oh, you know, uh, I heard I heard this." You know, like, oh, where'd you hear it mm-hmm. from? Well, from a guy or from a gal, whatever, or a letter that came, and 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 just obviously they're being bombarded with these different ideas from different people. Reminds me a little mm-hmm. bit of. Second Corinthians, uh, when you have the super apostles who are proclaiming a mm-hmm. message that that clearly probably has some narcissism um, ties to it, and just I mean, things that were not pointing them back to Christ. And what they were saying, according to what we're what we're hearing, is that Christ has already come, the resurrection has already mm-hmm. happened. So what does this do mm-hmm. to a congregation? And I was thinking about this as I was reading this: is if it says like, well, all the benefits have already happened. What, what does this mean? I mean, I, I'm trying to think of how the, a church would react to this. Any thoughts on that? 
Well, I mean, yeah, obviously, how churches are reacted, I guess, throughout history, throughout the history of the church, mm-hmm. and especially, I would say, since the Reformation. Uh, you have a lot of uh, people who have come along. You know, we had the monolithic church. Everybody just simply did what Rome did, and we did it in Latin, whether we understood it or not. But uh, once the Reformation came and, and the uh, vernacular Bibles began to become available to people, you did have a lot of people uh, and a lot of different movements in the church uh, that were moving people away from this. One, of course, is the uh, um, preterists who believe that all of the things in the Bible, all the prophecies and everything that talks about Jesus, the book of Revelation, all that, has all already happened. Mm. None of that is going to happen again in the future. It's already happened. So you have that. You have others who actually uh, have very novel thoughts about, uh, and when I say novel, it was in the you know late 1800s that we began getting this whole idea of dispensational theology and the Bible's dispensational and the whole idea that you have these uh, these millennialism and all of that, these are very novel ideas. So we're constantly in the church having to deal with these things. And, of course, you and I both know, and those who, who are um, uh, biblical scholars, we would call conservative, I guess, biblical scholars understand, you always have to go back to the Word and back to, you know, the, the dominant Reformation hermeneutic, which is let the Bible interpret itself and don't go you know, drawing things out of it that you think is some new idea that you've got from the Spirit or from a Spirit, okay? And so we've always had to deal with that, Brady, always had had to deal with that in the Church, and from the very beginning we see we had to deal with it. And that, that's a great rundown on history. Obviously, if you have any questions about the church and the history, Pastor Murda might be your guy. This is a wonderful breakdown <laughs> of there's nothing new under the sun, is that here we right. have a situation there, and we have the same situation today where people are trying to proclaim a message that's clearly not in the Bible. For a time, it's like an itching ear. You know, you want to, like, well, that sounds pretty good. And, and but long term, you're like, wait, that does not sound right. And it's making me more anxious when I'm looking at the cross than it is giving me comfort. And that's probably one of the first signs that this is not the truth. So let's dig into this because he really, he hits home right away saying, hey, listen, this has not happened, but this is what is going to happen. So three and four, Mm -hmm. let no one deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who poses and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. So, what's going to happen first before the end? All right. Uh, yeah, and, and this is um, this is fleshed out uh, in in Revelation, of course. Um, and but uh, for for Paul here, he's trying to make the point that there are very specific things that will happen. The word for rebellion here, which is translated in the ESV, is uh, apostasia, which is apostasy. Apostasy. Uh, means to uh, means to go away from the faith. It means to move away from uh, and to uh, and, and people who leave the faith for something else are called apostate. They have they have now uh, uh, taken the faith and either moved away from it or turned it into something else. But it really the rebellion here is against God. It's it's a rebellion against the Word of God against and against the Word of Christ, which we refer to as the Word of Christ. Um, 
And he says, this has to come first. And I guess the assumption here is from Paul. And I think if you, if you take a broader reading of Paul's letters up, up to the, uh, this letter was probably penned somewhere between 49 and 51, um, AD. Mm -hmm. Uh, he has written on this, he has written about this sort of thing. But what he's saying here is it hasn't happened yet. We haven't had this. We haven't had this. In fact, the church is just exploding in the empire. So we haven't had this uh, real uh, apostasy to cause a real turning of people from Christ. And then he speaks of the man of lawlessness. Now, in the ESV, it's man of lawlessness, but the, the Greek actually is the man, the lawless one. So mm-hmm. it, it, it means so it's, a, it's a specific person because you have, it's not a man, it's the man. So it's a specific person. And, um, and this person is lawless. Now, the word for lawless is a, is an a, a primitive. It means, it means totally contrary to the law. In other words, this person becomes a law unto himself. He says the law that you have think you are under or whatever you think you're under from God is not. Mm. Uh, and he's, com- he's the complete opposite of that. And this one has to be apocalyptic. Uh, he has to be revealed. He has to be revealed to the people. As the son of Apollyon, which is destruction, and the destroyer, of course, in the book of Revelation is Apollyon. So it, he is a son of the destroyer. Mm. The son of, dis- of the destroyer, and that's Satan. That, that clearly in Revelation, that's Satan, and and Paul understands that as well. That's that's the son of the destroyer is the Antichrist. Son there means uh, sonship in the sense of of uh, uh, having the same mind, having the same ideas, having the same heritage, so to speak, yeah. uh, as as the uh, as the destroyer. So, so you have. And so he says that hasn't happened yet. And, and this, I want to say one thing before we get to the next is he starts with what is wrong. Um, the whole thing is wrong. Don't, don't get me wrong there, but, but there's going to be parts of him that sound pretty good. And he's starting with saying, listen, this guy, uh, law is, he's a law unto himself. Like you said so well, um, that he is all about destruction because these terms are not the thing of God. And, and when he starts talking about being God, then you have to really look at these things and realize, well, wait a second here. He says he's God, but he's, he's not speaking the same law. No, he's speaking actually of destruction. This is not who God is. So he's laying it out really interestingly here before he gets to the God part. But anyways, other thoughts on into verse four. Yeah, uh, it says he opposes everything makes itself God. Uh, within the Roman Empire, by the time of Paul writing of this, uh, the the idea of Caesar being the divine Caesar, uh, the divine Augustus, uh, this idea that, uh, that 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 was introduced actually uh, by uh, Julius Caesar. So Julius Caesar uh, was the first to call him the August, call himself August, which was a term which was used for God. Sure. And he uh, and he actually dressed himself up in the guise of Saturn, and so he was the son of God. So that's how Caesar started all this, and that precipitated his assassination, actually. But uh, mm. the idea was that now when this one shows up, forget Caesar's and forget all of this 
other people, these, these God kings of Mesopotamia from the Old Testament times, don't, don't worry about it. He will set himself above all of that. He will set himself above all of that. Notice, and he will take his seat in the temple of God. And, uh, of course, this was a huge uh, thing with, with uh, the Lutheran Reformation about who is this that's sitting in the temple of God, claiming to be God, Man. and then uh, proclaiming himself to be God. So uh, the, uh, this was the whole thing that precipitated in the, in the, in the Confessions, uh, the treatise on the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, primacy of the Pope. Mm-hmm. So uh, the idea is that the, that the, the Antichrist will uh, arise from the Church. I don't know any other way of saying it. he's going to arise from mm-hmm. the Church. And how that is going to happen is a mystery to me, and I don't intend to venture into that territory. But um, it appears he is going to somehow come out of a religious um, um, setting that somehow is associated with the Unum Sancta. I don't know. That's how I kind of see it. Right, and it speaks about him being seated in the temple of God and proclaiming himself to be God. So um, he's going to be lifted up from in within the church. Uh, something that I've I've heard that many times. I think that's very strong language that we've we've read throughout you know here and other parts of scripture. Mm-hmm. The the hard part with that is this creates a lot of anxiety as Paul writes mm-hmm. this, because then we start mm-hmm. trying to determine who is this? You know, is it is it my pastor? Is it the head of the church body? Is it, you know, the mm-hmm. televangelist? Tell us about that tension of, okay, this is true, but also we don't want to go trying to sniff it out or trying to figure out who this person is. How do we live in that tension as Christians? Yeah. I think if you read the text carefully, uh, Paul uh, says there in um, in verse 3, that this man of lawlessness will be revealed. So it's a particular person that will be revealed, to be revealed. He hasn't been revealed yet. He will be revealed. So I think this, uh, this, uh, and by the way, if I'm not, that's passive voice. Uh, in Greek, it's passive voice, his being revealed. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that God will reveal it. Uh, this, mm. this is something that, that is not going to be suspicious. Now, the the idea of antichrist and you know uh, is, is this particular church leader an antichrist was sun young moon in, in south korea was he an antichrist and this sort of thing was he the antichrist uh all of these kinds of things that we get and will will the 12th imam coming out of islam whoever he is will he be the antichrist the, the idea here is i think what we need to keep keep in mind is in in in, in john chapter 4 in first john chapter 4 he talks about those who have gone out from us, and he talks about them as having a spirit of Antichrist. Mm. Now, the spirit of Antichrist is in the world. I mean, I'm sorry, that is in the world. But it reaches its apex under the influence of Satan, according to the book of Revelation. It reaches its apex in this man of lawlessness. So in a sense, yes, you do have this spirit of Antichrist afoot in the world, unfortunately. And it does have its impact in the church, and some people fall for that. But, um, yes, I, I think that the, this community would be worried about that. In other words, are these, is this guy telling me this the Antichrist, or is this guy over here the Antichrist, or the guy down in Corinth is messing up, is he the Antichrist? Uh, and, and so, no, he's telling them, no, it's, it's this, this particular person which has his finger put right on him, uh, by John in Revelation, mm. as the uh, he is the he is the one 
who who operates by the spirit of the dragon, which yeah. is Satan. Yeah. He operates directly by his spirit, and he is promoted by the false prophet. So you have the false trinity in, in there. And that, it will be clear. It'll be clear when it happens. I think somebody is, is really into the Word of God and understands the Word of God. They'll know, they'll recognize who this is. And by the way, there will be global changes. Uh, we live in a we live in a world now that you can't take it back. You, we can no longer go back to provincialism of the world or to city states of the world as in the time of Paul. We are one global community, whether we like it or not, or whether we want to even accept that or not. Uh, we still are. We have our nationalism to a certain extent, but we're one one world now in a very real sense. And uh, this is going to be a global leader, not a, a regional one. Um, or a particular national one, but a global, this would be a global phenomenon when it happens. So, I mean, it's simply this, it's kind of like when it's hard to imagine the moment Jesus returns that we all will mm-hmm. see the son of Christ, son of God. That's very mm-hmm. hard to understand, but that's very clear in scripture that we're going to have it. Trump's going to mm-hmm. come, Trump is going to come down and he'll gather his, uh, his, his saints, uh, the elect. It's mm-hmm. hard to understand that mm-hmm. here. He makes it very clear that you will know. It's not going to be wondering, oh, is it my neighbor Bob or is it, you know, this yeah. country's mm-hmm. leader? Mm-hmm. You will know without a doubt. So I want to touch more sure. on that on the other side of the break. We are studying Second okay. Thessalonians chapter 2 with Pastor George Murda, and we will be right back. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying Second Thessalonians chapter two with Pastor George Murda. And Pastor, you have really broke it down for us in a wonderful way because these words can make it very anxious. You're trying to determine who is the Antichrist. Maybe it's in my country or whoever was elected or whoever was appointed overseas or when there was a a problem in uh, in the Middle East that this obviously is the mm-hmm. Antichrist, but you're making it very clear. And Paul obviously is dealing with the same anxieties and says, no, you will know he will be revealed by God and he will say that he is God. So to me, those right. are comforting words that Paul writes here. Any last thoughts before we move mm-hmm. on? No, no, let's, let's, let's go forward. All right, here mm-hmm. we go. Verses five through eight. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. All right, so he kind of starts with a little bit of, uh, I guess you'd say, parental um, reminder. Um, yeah, don't you remember when I told you this? 
can kind of still right, remember exactly. my parents doing that to me. I, do you not remember when I told you? Um, well, I don't want to admit that. Um, but anyways, <laughs> so he goes there yeah. and then he does a little more teaching. What is he telling them? Well, he, he's, he's talking about the fact that uh, the, the spirit of the, this spirit of Antichrist, which, again, John spoke about, spoke about in his first letter, fourth chapter, uh, these, uh, this spirit is afoot. Um, uh, when, when Satan got through with Jesus in the wilderness, uh, uh, Luke makes the comment, and he, he left until an opportune time. Many people interpret that as the passion and the cross, but the opportune time has remained. remained. Uh, mm. Satan still is, is afoot, and he still will. That's why Peter reminds us that we must uh, recognize these roaring lions seeking whom he may devour, resist him steadfast in the faith. And so that's what we have to do. So that, that spirit is out there. But the actual man that he's been talking about here, the one who is actually really going to carry this out to the point of claiming to be God with false miracles, uh, when this one really is revealed, he's being restrained at this time. Hmm. That's reminiscent of the language of Daniel, where Michael is restraining um, uh, the the prince of Persia uh, from, uh, and and that's why he was delayed in helping Daniel. Uh, so there there isn't there there is this idea that um, God's will, which is the which is the sovereign will of the created universe, that His will. Uh, can restrain, does in fact restrain the work of the devil and the work of Satan and the work of his minions. And uh, But there'll be a time when the world will have come to that point where it will accept that leadership and it will accept the prince of the world um, uh, to be their, their leader rather than the Christ. Mm. And uh, at that time, then, he will not be restrained. This uh, is in Revelation is referred to, and he, uh, the dragon will be unchained and released for a time and half a time. So that for that period of time, just before the coming of Christ, the the prince of this world will have some some very influential sway. There will always be the remnant of the church. There will always be the church there that will not uh, that will not stand for this or will not abide with this. They will be persecuted, of course, but uh, that is the tribulation, which is referred to. And Paul is saying here that when that time is over, when his time is over, he will be destroyed by the breath of his mouth. Uh, that's the sword which comes, the two-edged sword that proceeds from the mouth of the one riding on the right horse uh, with the banner says, uh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so uh, this will happen, and, uh, and, and then the lawless one will be revealed as clearly who he is, and that is, he's the anti, he is the Antichrist. Um, who uh, will who the real Christ um, will eliminate from the world, and uh, and thus will follow what we have in, in chapters twenty and twenty one of Revelation. So, um, and I'll, I keep mentioning that because the really the the the, the heart of, of of what we would refer to as apocalyptic literature and and the the apocalyptic prophecies of the Bible are finding their completion. Uh, at the end of, of, of Revelation, this is kind of being pointed to. It was a, it was first set up by Christ in His own ministry, twenty four chapter Matthew. Now it's being brought forward here in in Paul, whose theology is very Christocentric, mm-hmm. and then now eventually with the uh, the Lamb who conquers, uh, 
is the lamp of the city in Revelation. Yeah. This is great because, as you said, with apocalyptic literature, you can't read it the same as other parts of Holy Scripture. And too often we try mm-hmm. to. We make it into a mathematical equation. We make it into mm-hmm. this happens and this happens and this happens, and it's always in a direct mm-hmm. line. But you really captured this, and I really appreciate how you're how you're saying this is because you're connecting it together to say, okay, that when we read all of Revelation, we read all of the apocalyptic literature and scripture, that it connects to this point that the Lord Jesus is is the head of the church. The gates of Hades will never overcome. I mean, that's that's very clear in what what you're saying. He is restraining the so-called Antichrist, this uh, man of lawlessness, that he is restraining him now. And for whatever reason, there will be a time that it will be, quote, released and it will become obvious that he is doing this. There'll be tribulation, as we hear about in, in, in Revelation. There'll be all these kind of things. But is the gates of Hades will never overcome. I mean, that he kind of begins and he ends with that reality. Mm-hmm. That, no, nope, Jesus mm-hmm. is the Lord of the church. And this is what's going to happen. And so it kind of, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm on a roller coaster a little bit here, Pastor, because you're feeling this like, like, oh, my, oh, this is not good. And then you're like, okay, all right, God's, God's in control. And then, oh, no, this is really not good. And then, wait, no. Jesus will have the final victory. And um, mm-hmm. any thoughts on that roller coaster or how we how we live with this as Christians? Uh, I, I think that um, I think that uh, you know if, if you have if you have have a um, um, a tendency to motion sickness, <laughs> uh, take something for it. Take something for it. That's what I'm saying. You know, everybody. You know, you're not going to get on a roller coaster unless you take. You know, if you have motion sickness or airplane, unless you take something for it. Sure. And there are things you can take. There are paths you can put behind your ear and that sort of thing. So my my advice to people is if, if this if this unsettles you, then take the medicine of the word. Mm. Uh, just just get into the word deeper. Uh, uh, get into to the especially the parables of Jesus, uh, Jesus' own teaching in John in the Gospel of John. Let Jesus just talk to you. I tell people, you know. There's a reason why you have a red letter Bible. Just listen to what Jesus has to say, mm-hmm. and and put yourself under His and His tutelage. Make you make yourself like Mary in in Bethany, sitting at His feet, listening to Him, and and just over and over again read what He has to say. And don't you know? This may not even be all of this may not even be revealed in your lifetime, so don't worry about it. I mean, I don't worry about it. Uh, this is, it says very plainly here, God's going to take care of it. God's going to reveal it when the time comes. And the revelation is the same. It'll happen when God wants it to happen. And my job is to be a witness to Christ. My job is to proclaim the good news, you know, repent and believe the good news for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's my job. Mm-hmm. And and to help people and to encourage people and say, you know, you're saved by grace through through faith. And, uh, and, 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 with someone who is preoccupied with this, your best your best medicine for them on that roller coaster ride is to give them a good dose of Jesus yeah. and just let them trust the Lord uh, in this and know that He's got it in His hands. He said, "Nobody can snatch anyone out of my hands," wow. and so that's not going to happen. So yeah. that, that's so good. I like how you said that. Uh, uh... We just need you need more Jesus, and there was one guest yeah. we had recently who said we just can't get enough of Jesus. <laughs> that was a That's great right. line. <laughs> you can't. That's right. You can't get enough. 
and and I, I, the anxiety you have over this stuff. I'll tell you. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Is what he tells rest. us. That's now. Gonna, I will be your Sabbath. Yeah, right. Yeah, he is our Sabbath. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And and I wanna mm-hmm. I wanna take one step back as we look at this. And my encouragement to our listeners, I had a member at my first congregation who in the past had gotten really riled up about end times theologies and it had, you know, led him to severe anxiety. And I think he was an anxious person anyways, which I can relate with. I can be anxious as well. And he said one time he was listening on the radio and they had like three different people on the radio to talk about what's going to happen at the end. And there was a, you know, one that was a, we'd call premillennial dispensationalist, as you spoke about a little bit here today, and that, you know, Jesus will come and there will be, you know, some people will be raptured and then the rest will be here and then there'll be tribulation and all this kind of stuff. And then another guy got up and spoke similar language, not this quite the same, um, different, a different ideology. And then there was a Lutheran, he said, and this was where this guy from my congregation wasn't quite sure about Lutheranism. And the Lutheran pastor said exactly what you're saying um, is said, Hey, um, we're here. We know we live in a broken world, that there will be tribulation. We will see this antichrist and it will be revealed. And then Jesus will return and he has the final victory. Boom. End of story. And he said he's felt so much comfort. Um, It's not because this guy was Lutheran. I'm just saying that he's speaking from a Christ-centered, the way Mm -hmm. the scripture speaks. And and he said he felt so comforted at the end of that, that I think that's exactly how you're describing this today. That yes, there is a roller coaster, but how are we going to address? And this is like anything else in life: brokenness, death, despair that we go through. How do we address it? The gospel of Christ, the Prince of Peace, the one who is always Amen. there with us, and nothing can separate us from Him. So, those are my that's thoughts. It. Anything else before we move on? No, no, no. That's that's beautiful. Thank you, Brady. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. nine through twelve. Let's keep moving on. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false, in order that, they, that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had, no ple- had, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. These words are kind of a little bit difficult to understand. Uh, what is what is Paul moving forward with? Uh, I think uh, I think what it is is um, well. First of all, it's the activity of Satan. Mm-hmm. So he says right there in nine that this is the activity of Satan. Uh, the wall is one which accords again with, uh, with Revelation. The dragon the, is the one who is really inspiring the Antichrist. So this will be uh, according to his power and the false signs and wonders. So these false miracles. Um, you know, I, I sometimes wonder, you know, a miracle, if you really understand a miracle, a miracle is something only God can do, okay? Only God can do. So, uh, I think that these false signs are, uh, are ones that appear to be miraculous, but in fact are not. And I think we do have a little bit of that in our society already. Uh, with uh, CGI and all this other kind of stuff, we can make things look absolutely like they're real with it or not. So it's an interesting idea there. With all the wicked deception of those who are perishing because they have refused to love the truth so to be saved. Right. Uh, you'll get an explanation, a, a really, I think, a fairly good explanation of this verse 
in, in the first chapter, the second half of the first chapter of Romans. Mm. So go back and read that uh, second half of the first chapter of Romans because he, 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 hears, he uses the word delusion here, strong delusion. And there, um, I forget exact, the exact text, verse, uh, the exact verse at this point in, in, in Romans 1, he talks about the uh, debased mind. He talks about a mind that has been completely warped by the fact that they have believed all of this, you know, stuff that Satan is doing out and all these false miracles and things and, and have refused, even though they had the knowledge of God, they refused to accept it. Even though they knew who God was, they refused to worship him. And therefore, God sent them a strong delusion. In Romans, he said, therefore, they have been turned over to a debased or a, uh, a, a depraved mind, yeah. uh, all of which kind of means a mind that is unrighteous. The word there, the Greek word there for the, the debased or, or a perverted mind comes from a, from a word that means um, unrighteous, and a, a, a mind that can't even distinguish what's righteous. And so, and therefore, God has sent them this. And now, essentially, it says God sent them. It's the same. It's the same battle people have in Exodus, uh, where it says, "And God hardened Pharaoh's heart." Right. And um, it, it, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like if you have a heart that can receive something, receive something new, some new teaching, or something like that. But you continue putting up barriers, false barriers, or whatever philosophy you want to follow, or whatever kind of lifestyle you want to lead. You keep putting those up. You keep building walls thicker and thicker with that kind of stuff. The the uh, the spirit's not going to break those walls down. You the 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 word of God's not going to come through those walls eventually. Um, and so the hardening of the heart is is the activity of the sinner, but. You know, God God comes to us uh, as he came to Elijah in that whisper of a wind, mm. a whisper of a breath. He comes to us, as Jesus told Nicodemus, by spirit, uh, by spirit. And, uh, and those people who continue to harden their heart in this way can't receive it. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion uh, to believe the false thing in order that they may be condemned who do not believe the truth but take pleasure in unrighteousness. That word unrighteousness is related to the word, um, you know, uh, um, etymologic, etymologically in Greek, it's related to the same word as, as uh, the strong delusion. Uh, uh, I mean, or I'm sorry, the depraved that he talks about in mm-hmm. Rome. Yeah, right. Uh, that depraved word there is etymology uh, also here. It's, it's here it's uh, adikia is the unrighteousness, and there it's adikia um, in in Romans. So. And the part of Romans that you're speaking of it begins, I would argue, in verse 18 through 32, mm-hmm. if you go through the whole context of that, where it says literally, he gave them up for dishonorable passions. And so God does this, and it's it's confusing at times, but also there is there is a point where God let's go, if you will, if I can say it that way, shows them the other side of the coin and prays for, we pray for repentance and the Holy Spirit to work to bring people back, as we saw in Exodus as well. So here's, well, you, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say, when you've been in ministry for a while, like you have, like I have, when you've been in ministry for a while, you will meet people who live, and I've seen this happen, transformational things happen in people's lives, and that's when they turn back to righteousness. So in a sense, uh, God let them uh, let them swim 
in the decay and in the in the muck for a while until they got sick of it. And God was there for them when they decided they would they would wash themselves clean in the, in the blood of the Lamb. And when that happened, and the Lord was there for them while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so, um, yes, I, I think there is a way you can speak about God, just like He's restraining the the man of lawlessness, although the spirit of lawlessness is still out there. So He is also allowing people to go as far as they will go, but He He will be there for them when the Spirit moves. And that goes back to Romans 8, when he talks about nothing will mm-hmm. separate you from the love of Christ. It does not deny that we right. cannot walk away, um, but it totally right. reminds us, just like the father and the prodigal son, there he was watching Precisely. for his son to come back, and he runs to him. Mm-hmm. So we, exactly. trans- we transition here because he's telling us these truths, and now he's encouraging them on what to do next. You know, so so we know mm-hmm. these truths and now stand firm. So 13 through 15. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through the our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. So first of all, he tells tells them to give thanks. And this reminds me also in 1 Thessalonians, where he says, give thanks for all things through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, It goes back to their identity. What is Paul all telling us in these verses? Well, first of all, he's reminding them that they're the beloved of the Lord. Um, the relationship which God has towards the church is the relationship which, uh, the relationship that Christ has towards the church was the relationship which, uh, Yahweh Elohim had towards Israel, husband, wife, uh, uh, the, the Lord and, and, and his, and his beloved. And so that's what he's saying you are now to the Lord. And he's talking about them as, uh, God who chose you as the first fruit to be saved, meaning, you're the first in this area to hear this gospel and to accept it. You're the, you're the first fruits of the Lord uh, in this. Through the sanctified spirit, meaning made holy through the spirit of God that, that they had received. And you can't read the Acts of the Apostles that you don't see that the spirit uh, is involved constantly. They, some people think they ought to rename the book the uh, Acts of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. rather than the Acts mm-hmm. of the Apostles. And you see the Spirit working constantly in these communities when they receive the gospel. And, uh, and so uh, this is what he's saying. You have received that Spirit that sanctifies you uh, because you have believed this truth about Jesus. And, uh, and that's happening. That continues to happen in the world today. And so to this, you've been called. Live, live by the gospel. You've been called by this good news. Don't trade that for anything else. Live by that. And and then you will obtain to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ that He promised. He promised in in the uh, to the apostles at the Last Supper um, that um, He would be glorified with the Father as He had been before in His glory, and that the apostles would be glorified in Him. So, um, you know, this is what He looks for. This is what we look for in our lives. Is is for that um, is that relationship with Jesus Christ in the glory of His kingdom. Yeah. And how could you not want to stand firm in that? <laughs> you know, there's so exactly. many. Exactly. I think about this quite often is exactly. 
there are issues for every human being in the world, meaning that, mm -hmm. that we are all going to go through some kind of trial. We're all going to experience death. We are all going to battle disease or brokenness and, and everything. And the problem mm -hmm. comes for us is then we start thinking that, that, well, if I was Christian, then therefore I wouldn't have any problems that there would be no trials. Well, Paul's, I mean, he's beating that, he's beating that across and saying, absolutely not. I mean, he's not saying explicitly here, but throughout his epistles, he does. And here he's given us what to stand firm in, which is uh, the, the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the gospel, uh, that the glory that we are yet to receive and all the other ideologies mm -hmm. don't give you the hope of someone else doing the work for you. It's always a hope that maybe I did enough. And here he's saying he's done mm -hmm. it all. Here's something to not only stand firm on, but to stand upon like a solid rock on the on this rock I stand, you know, is the language that we'll use. Mm -hmm. And I'm giving it to you by the words I speak, by the letter I've written. And and how could you not want to stand firm in this? It's very powerful sure. words that Paul's writing here. It is, it is. Mm -hmm. So let's yeah. finish this out. We have only a few minutes left here. So let's do 16, 17 and let's wrap everything together. Paul, Paul ends our chapter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. So he ends with great words of comfort. How do the, what kind of words is, I mean, what words of comfort does he give to them? Well, first of all, of course, that um, uh, they're in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're in Christ, uh, which is a great theme in Paul all the time. Uh, and being in Christ, they're in the Father. Uh, in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus said, no one knows the Father except the Son, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and everyone to whom the Father chooses to reveal him. And so they have God the Father. Uh, if, if you, uh, uh, John says in his first letter, if you don't have Christ, you don't have the, you don't have the Father. So uh, you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. So he's saying you're in that. You know that. This has been taught to you. It's part of the tradition that he handed on to him there in verse 15. The word tradition basically just means that which was handed on to you before. Mm. That's all the word. It, 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 it translates tradition, but it's about what he handed on before to them. Um, and uh, and so uh, that gave them eternal life. Comfort. We have comfort in this. We have eternal life. And, it, and he says, uh, good hope through grace. So we have good hope through grace, which expresses itself in good works and words. So you have you have the, the there in verse um, verse sixteen it ends with the hope through grace mm. and then which leads us to the good works and words. And so we can live out because of this hope we have in Christ, because of the grace we've received by his work on the cross, by his resurrection, by the free grace of God through faith. Because of that now now we get to carry out, we get to establish our lives in every kind of good work and word. And, uh, and and the word word there means uh, not only just the spoken word, but also in in the, um, I don't know, kind of the, if you will, the entire academy of what we know about God and all mm -hmm. what we know about Christ, right? That word that we receive from God about Christ. And, and therefore, we have that to share. We And part of that work is sharing that uh, in the world. So basically, here, here's what I'm hearing you say, and I'm a simple guy. What I'm hearing you say, don't spend all your time trying to figure out who the man of lawlessness is. Don't try to figure out if Jesus has already returned. Don't try to figure all those things out. 
because God will make that clear. And what will give you hope is what to stand on is the gospel of Christ who will come, who will have the final victory. And from there on, we have the comfort of knowing that this victory has been won and now we can live in freedom. Would that summarize it? Absolutely. I mean, uh, clearly the, that's, uh, that's the bottom line here. And that's our comfort. That's just what comforts our heart and establishes is, is, um, is who Jesus is, what he will accomplish. Not uh, trying to, you know, uh, pull stuff out of scripture to get people, uh, get people all upset or scared. I've often said you're never going to scare anybody into heaven. So uh, that's not how you get people to, to come to Christ. You're not going to scare them to come to Christ. You're going to present Christ to them. And, um, and, and that's what Paul is trying to do here with the Thessalonians. Pastor George Murda of, of uh, excuse me, Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Douglasville, Georgia, helping us today with Second mm-hmm. Thessalonians chapter 2. Pastor Murda, thank you for being our guest. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Saints of our Lord, do not be quickly shaken by the questions of when Christ returns, questions over the man of lawlessness, but know that your identity as Christ can never be shaken and that you have obtained the glory of our Lord Jesus because of what he has done in his death and resurrection. So stand firm as we say this Easter. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen for you. Alleluia. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church, Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.